we've been on the subject forever settled. And we've been talking about this because in the climate that we live in today, it's so easy to excuse so much of our life on God. Ministries, ministers, words that we receive seem to all have the same theme running through them. And, and I, I don't know why it continues. I, I would assume that it's just, you know, you get embedded with these kinds of thinkings and, and you hear these things so often that you become so accustomed to them that you, that you just adopt them as ways of your life. And we make statements like God's ways are higher than our ways. We make statements like, you know, that, that, that everything in our life happened for a purpose. That we believe that, that, that God's purpose is always being fulfilled in our lives. No matter how negative the situation. I heard people the other day, I heard somebody died, just fell dead. And somebody said, God, uh, God knows what he's doing. I mean, he just fell dead. And God knows what he's doing. And everything happens for a purpose. Did y'all ever hear that? You know, positioning you. You know, getting you in the, he, he killed your baby so he could position you in the right way. And he had you in that mess and that terrible life that you were going through and all that disaster and mayhem and trouble and, and all those terrible things that have gone on. And those are, you know, what we've done is we've made the excuse for our life. We've, we've excused everything off on God and we stand there in lines and cheer and cry at altars because somebody said, you know, everything that's happened in your life, God, had a, God did it and God had a purpose for it. They don't come right out and say God did it, but to say God had a purpose for it, that God's purpose was in it. Now, God can make purpose out of anything, but he didn't, he didn't give the, the stuff, negative things. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And the moment we attribute negative things to God, the moment we attribute all the terrible things that we have happen in our life to God, we diminish our ability to receive from God because if we don't know who's doing it, we've got a problem. And it's important that we, you know, I, I'm preaching this message because I, you know, today we live in a, in a church world that, that, that it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of self-help and a lot of, a lot of three points to this and five points to that and seven points to leadership better in your life and six points to, you know, better, you know, uh, job performance and three, listen, we need foundational teaching. We need doctrines that set us on the course of our life. The Bible says in this day that we won't endure sound doctrine, but I pray we have a church that does endure sound doctrine. Flowery sermons and, and uh, fluffy stuff will only get you so far. You need to know that your life must be founded on and settled in the Word of God. And what you believe about the Word of God, it matters. Things that come into our lives, things that we allow in our lives, the challenges that we face, we need the Word of God to face those challenges, and we need to rightly divide the Word of Truth to face them correctly. And so I, I've been right on this being, being clear that, that the word of God is forever settled. Our golden text, if you would, would just turn over with me. Psalms 119, verse 89. This is our golden text. This is where we've been coming from. And we started debunking some of those, those wise tales and fables that we've heard as Christians. And, and I don't care who the preacher is that preaches it. I mean, I, I understand, you know, just because 10,000 people sit in an auditorium or 20,000 people in an arena, that does not necessarily mean what you're hearing is right. Be careful that you don't buy that junk. 
Take the good and throw out the bad. Certainly there's good, but make sure you don't eat all of it. Because if you, if you do, you can get in a mess. Here's what it says, Psalms 119.89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Look at somebody and say, his, say his word, his word is settled. Whatever he meant, he said. And what he said, he meant it. We've got to find out what he said. We've got to know what he said about us. We've got to know what he said about our bodies. We've got to know what he said about our money. In the, in, in the next, next week, I'm going, to, I'm going to cover Forever Settled Healing, part two today. But as we move forward, I, the next week's going to be Forever Settled Prosperity. Amen. How many know God wants you wealthy? Amen. He wants you, the Bible says, the Lord, Jesus became poor that through his poverty you might be rich. That's not the only gospel, but it is part of the gospel. And we need to teach it just like we teach everything else. And so we're going to talk about that next week. You might want to be here for that. I want to show you some things we went over, and I just want to cover them briefly as I go forward. God's will is not always done. Just look at somebody and say, God's will is not always done. Let me give you a few scriptural proofs of that. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. For this is the will of God. Say, for this is the will of God. Now, it's going to spell it out, isn't it? It's going to say this. It says, even your sanctification, meaning that you live holy, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel with sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such things, as we also have forewarned you and have testified. For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despises, despises not man, but God, who also has given unto us his Holy Spirit. Now, what is the will of God? That no fornication is committed. Is it? I just told you, you, people will tell you that God's will is always done. God, God's will. Well, if it is, then everybody would be living according to this. They would have vessels of honor. They would live in sanctification. They would possess their own body. They would not steal or defraud their brother. Do you see it? So God's will is not being done in this scripture, is it? It's okay. Say yes. Don't feel bad. I know how hard that is. You have to be careful because, you, you know, this, this whole idea, there's an idea out there that teaches us that everything that's happened in our life was God's planned event, His purpose. And according to the Word of God, that is just not true. And you need to stop saying it. You need to stop saying uh, that, 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 that uh, uh, God's will is always being done. You need to stop saying that it happened for a purpose. You know, we're all looking for purpose in our life. Sports and athletes will always say this. You'll see them on television and say, God had a purpose for that. They lost their leg or they wrecked their knee. God had a purpose for that. No, the Bible said that the thief came to steal and kill and to destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life. God did not wreck their knee. There was no purpose in their wrecked knee. 
Now, see, people are already getting mad at me. We'll clean it out a little bit. There'll be people that will leave this week and won't come back because they want to go hear about death, doom, gloom, and destruction. They want to fight for their right to be sick, and they want to continue to say that God did it because we need meaning to what happened in our life. We need meaning to what, what, what uh, the, 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 the cho- choices and things that happen. Maybe you were raised in a home where you went through a significant abuse. I mean, and, and you went through uh, significant challenges. Maybe, maybe uh, we don't know your challenge. Maybe, you know, somebody might be in this room, lost a child. You maybe had been raped, abused, beaten by someone, locked in a closet. I don't know, but don't put that on God. Be careful. You have to be. See, we're always the defenders of God. We as Christians must defend. We must stand on what the Word of God said. And if the Bible says, for the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever to try and twist bad into good, the Bible says that God doesn't have evil. Let no man say when he's tempted, he is tempted by God. For God tempts no man, neither can he be tempted by. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? We've got to drop these these religious jargons and this religious stuff that we say so often to try and pacify ourselves or pacify others into some belief that God did it or, you know, kind kind of coming to, to grips with what happened in our life. I can tell you what happened in your life. I can tell you why you were raped. I can tell you why your child died. I can tell you. I can tell you why your house burnt down. I can tell you why you were fired from your job. I can tell you. I can tell you. And it ain't God. The thief came to steal, kill, and to destroy. You, you, can, make, you can make peace with the challenges of your life and not use God as the excuse for it. That you were in, in some terrible condition. He had you in that, God had you in that terrible marriage, that abusive marriage, so that you could come out of it and know him better? How ridiculous is that? That's like saying I put my son in the street to get hit by a truck so he'd understand Big Mac trucks will hurt you. Isn't it the truth? How many of you have ever took your son's hand and put it on a hot stove to prove to him that the stove is hot? If you did, we need to lock you up. You probably torture animals too. (laughs) See, I want to bring it to a reality. I want to make it as clear as I possibly can. I want to be so emphatic about it so that you just stop. Stop listening to it. Stop shouting in those sermons. Stop running to the altars in tears and talking about God's purpose in your life. God will make purpose out of everything in your life but he didn't do everything in your life. God will use, I've always loved to say this, he, he, he can make souffle out of a broken egg and lemonade out of lemons. Life will bring terrible things. Challenges will come. Even the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord would deliver us out of them all. You got to know God ain't your problem. God isn't the one doing it. God didn't cause your difficulty. God didn't make those decisions. Sometimes we just got to own up. I have delayed my life before. I have put my life on hold. I have made choices and done things in ignorance and stupidity. Has anybody else in this room but me? 
Oh, look at all y'all saints in here. Ain't nobody raising their hand today. I gotta be the only one standing up here shouting it. I've caused myself some real grief. I've dated some girls I had no business dating. You know what I'm talking about. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I've bought things and done things. and I mean, I've done all kinds of stuff and made all kinds of... I just thank God. You know what my favorite scripture is about? Redeem the time. Thank God I can get back what I lost. I don't lose it permanently. I can have it back. Glory to God. He'll restore what the devil tried to take. He'll restore my life. My cup runs over and surely thank God for that goodness and that mercy because they're following. When I turn left, there's still goodness and mercy following me. When I turn right, I still got goodness and mercy. When I turn back this way, I still got, it's always with me. The mercy of the Lord, the goodness and the kindness of the Lord. You, listen, God knew what, <laughs> hallelujah. Don't you think for one instance that the devil can rob you if you'll come back to the table? If you'll come back to where God is and you'll come back in obedience to God, you can't be robbed. God will restore. He's the God that restores. He's a God of restoration. He brings back that which was stolen. My God pays back not only, the devil owes me some interest even. You know what I'm talking about? I don't just want it back. I want it with some interest. Don't just give me back my stuff. You better give it back to me and owe me some. You know what I'm talking about? I don't just want some. I'm getting it all back and then some. You know what I'm talking about. I'll tell you, I watch what the devil does and I see the church just sort of pacify that. And it makes me so mad because if we don't know who our problem is, it's so hard for us to deal with it. If I think that sickness is God's will for my life, then I can't get it off of me. If I think poverty is God's design so that he, did, he designed I would know him more so he keeps me poor, that's ridiculous. How about you just humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and let him raise you up, the Bible said. He'll cause you to be seated in heavenly places by Christ. Why don't you just live there? Why don't we live? My God shall supply. That's next week. I got to quit right there now. Can't go into next week. Y'all got to come back next week and the rest of the story, you know. Jesus is a healer. Jesus came to heal us. The Old Testament tells us clearly that he sent his word and healed us. If we looked at the Old Testament, we can see throughout the Old Testament that, uh, that healing belonged to us even then. Let, let's go on. Just I want to keep recapping just a little bit, then I'm going to close. Then I'm going to get to my, my, my theme for the day, and we're going to go. Listen to this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Does that happen? No. Look at 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come under the knowledge of truth. Is that happening? No. No. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is that happening? It's not his will that any should perish. You see it? And listen, what you hear, what you hear gets in you. You gotta be careful, because what you hear, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. 
What you hear gets in you. The message is the single most important thing you and I will receive from our church experience. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. The single, it's not the chairs. It is not the carpet. It is not the screens. It is not my hairdo. You don't live by my hairdo. You don't live by the carpet. The just shall live by his faith. You don't live by my personality. You don't live by my attitude. You don't live by my preaching style. The just shall live by faith. If a man gets up here and talks in a monotone language but preaches faith, I'd listen to that before I listen to somebody doing all this stuff, running across the aisle. I'd do all that. But I'm just saying, the substance of what's said must be right. Style does not matter. And what we hear will make a difference. You've got to understand, I am putting into you, I want to wreck you. I want to ruin you. I want to get you to the point where you know, where you know, you may not be able to come here. Maybe you'll get mad at me and don't come here. But you're not going to go sit under death and unbelief. You're going to at least find a church that teaches faith and teaches the word of God. At the very least, being a Holy Ghost church. Where they allow the move of the Holy Ghost. At the very least, you're not going to go sit in some dead place that won't allow the Holy Ghost to come. Won't allow the gifts of the Spirit to move. Won't allow healing to happen. At the very least, you ought to sit in a Holy Ghost church where the power of God is in manifest. Where healing signs and wonders occur. The Bible said Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes. Now, I'm saying this for somebody in this room. Somebody in this room needs to hear what I got to say. You need to get out of that dead, dried up mess that you're in. You need to get out of that unholy ghost place and get in a place where the power of God can come and meet the needs that you have in your life. The Bible says, now the Lord is the Spirit. Glory to God. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Glory to God. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You got to be in a place where the Holy Ghost moves. Hallelujah, you don't just need some man's wisdom. You need wisdom that's beyond that. Paul said, I did not come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom, declaring unto you the wisdom of a man, but I came in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of a man, but your faith should stand in the power and the the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Whoa! That was a little rabbit trail. But I'm telling you right now, somebody in this room needs to hear what I'm saying. The anointing is what breaks the yoke. It isn't some good speech or a well-designed outline. It isn't great stories from chicken soup for the soul. It isn't some well-thought-out plan from a man. It is from the demonstration and the power of the Holy Ghost. You need an anointing to touch your life. We need to be under the spout where the glory comes out. 
I need this like I need water. I don't know about nobody else. I can't talk for you. But just like I need to drink a drink of water, I got to have the water of the Holy Ghost. When I get in my house, I got to have the presence of the Lord. I can't live without the presence of the Lord. You don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe you might know, but I know when I get there alone with God and I get in my house and I invite the presence of the Lord to come, I long for the presence of the Lord. I got to have the presence of the Lord. I can't just have a little dabble, do you? I can't just have a religious experience. I can't just walk in some jargon. I got to have the presence of the Lord. I need the touch of the Spirit. I got to know God is real. I got to sense Him in my bones. I got to know Him in my feeler. You know what I'm talking about? I don't just want to know Him in my head. I want to know Him in my heart. I want to know that I 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 love that I know that I know. Shoot. Sounded like that politician a few years ago, didn't it? Oh, glory to God. <laughs> oh, I get up here and get to preaching, and the joy of the Lord comes up on the inside of me. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Something starts to bubbling. Something happening on the inside. If you haven't sensed that in your life, you just don't know what you're missing. You need to know that. Uh, you need to know what it is like to ride in your car and just be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you're just riding in your car and you're just singing to the Lord. All of a sudden, it's like the Holy Ghost. Sit down in the next. sitting on your couch. You know, you're just sitting there. You're just thinking this, that, and the other. You got a little TV thing going on and out of it, all, of, all of a sudden, you know, you didn't plan on it. You didn't even think about it. You didn't manipulate it. The Lord just comes in and sits down on the couch. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're standing there washing the dishes and you, you're just doing your chores. Glory to God. To know him is to love him. To know him is to love him. Oh, to know him in the power. Paul said, I want to know him and I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I just don't want to know about him. I want to know him. I want to have a relationship with him. I got to get close to him. I got to have his touch. I got a sense. Now the Lord is that spirit. I don't know, I just got off a little bit, but I want you to know something. I, I, I'm reading a book called The Life Plan. Now, I saw this guy on TV. I'm not promoting it. Don't run out and go buy the book. I saw it. I thought I'd buy the book. Whew. The guy's name is Dr. Life, and he has a book called The Life Plan. On his front cover of his book, he has a before and after picture. Now, when I saw this after picture... I bought the book. <laughs> At 60, he was fat, heart disease, sick, messed up, a doctor. He decided to change his life. At 72, he's on the cover of a muscle magazine, and he's on the cover of this book. Y'all can look it up later, The Life Plan. The guy is cut. 
I'm talking about, and today he's 76, but at 72, I'm thinking, if he can look like that at 72, bless God, I'm buying the book. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And, and he's talking about, you know, how you can improve your sex life. I'm for that. <laughs> oh, come on now. You old dudes in here, y'all know what I'm talking about. Be acting like I don't know what you're talking about, what you're talking about, Pastor D. When you get older, some things decrease, and I'm not into all that. You know what I'm talking about? I want it to increase. I'm not planning on shortening my sex life. I'm going to increase my sex life. I'm not going to have less. I'm going to have more. Oh, I don't know. He didn't go there. He did not go there. He did not go there. Yes, I did. With long life, I will satisfy. Sunday. I don't want to just dream about it. I want to do it. <laughs> it's the truth in hell. <laughs> Look at all these men. They're all sheepish. Knowing you wanted to say the same thing. Man, act like I'm the only one speaking it. So I bought the book. I want to live. I want to live long. I want to live healthy and happy. I want to play football with my grandchildren. You know what I'm saying? And this guy looking good. So he gets into the book, see, and <laughs> he says, you know, I wish he would let you introduce you to the diet within the first chapter or two. <laughs> He's got all this scientific stuff getting you to the 14th chapter. And I'm a slow read. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I like to read slow, and it's just forever. I'd rather start the diet. I want to start the diet. So in this chapter that I'm in now, he's talking about the body mass index and your body weight and all this stuff. And he gives you all these scientific methods, you know, measuring, you know, and all that stuff, and weights, lines, and all this scientific method. He said, now, the number one method to find out whether or not you're healthy, the number one method to know whether or not you are healthy and whether, and whether or not you are at risk Go buy a Speedo and take a picture. <laughs> Do not get a visual. Do not get a visual. I did, I did, I got a visual. I thought, I'm gonna go to Walmart. I'm gonna go get me a Speedo. See, don't do it. But I mean, could y'all see me in a speedo? Oh, man. I said, come on, man. <laughs> a surefire way to determine whether or not we are in the will and plan of God, if we know what God's will is, is to put a speedo on. Now, I mean that in spirit. Are you prospering? Is your body healthy? You see, if I don't know that's the will of God, then I can't change it. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? But if I know that for this purpose, listen to me, listen. I mean, let's, let's, let's just go there. Let's, let, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. 
1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, you see it? He that committed sin is of the devil. For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest. Why? That he might destroy the works of now listen, a house divided against itself can't stand. Sweet water and bitter water cannot flow out of the same fountain. Either God is good or he's not. Does anybody see what I'm saying? And if he came to destroy the works of the devil, then we must know what those works are. How many of you think sickness is the work of the devil? It is. How many of you think death is the work of the devil? It is. How many of you think poverty is the work of the devil? It is. I mean, if God said, my God shall supply, I like that. Say that again, Daisy. All. He didn't say some. He said all. All my According to his, then I know if I put on my Speedo, I'll be able to see whether or not I am what God called me to be. And how will I know that? I will know it because I know what God does. I'll know what God looks like. I can't attribute the things that are, I have to, you, does anybody see what I'm trying to say to you? You got to clear this up in your head. You got to realize that the devil is the one who brings destruction. The devil is the one who puts us in bondage. The devil is the one. You know, we used the scripture last week. I want to go back to it real quick. I know I, I got a minute. Luke 13, 11 through 16. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. 18 years, and was bowed together and could no wise lift herself up. When Jesus saw her, he called unto her and he said to her, Woman, thou art loosed of thine infirmity. Laid his hands on her and immediately, immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which a man ought to work. In them, therefore, be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead them away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, shouldn't she be loosed from her bond? The Lord said it was Satan, and he called it bondage. Now, I got a question for you. Does Jesus put us in bondage? He said, he whom the Son has set free. See, you know the scriptures, then let's quote them right. Let's make sure that when we speak the word of God and we confess the word of God, that we don't quote it wrong. That we make sure that we understand whom Jesus sets free. Is sickness bondage? Yes. Then it cannot be from God. Freedom is from God. Loosing us is from God. Setting us free is from God. Is poverty from God. It's bondage. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's nothing worse than the bill collector calling your house. Anybody? Listen, I've had my lights cut off before. Some of y'all ain't never had that in your life, but I have. Anybody want to admit it but me? Anybody Anybody feel like that was a good day? Did you see any purpose in that? No, not if God's supplying all my needs. 
Don't look at that and say, well, you know, God's got a purpose for cutting off my electricity. Yeah, it's called you didn't pay your bill. <laughs> That's what that call. And it doesn't matter how you got to that point. It doesn't matter. I, I remember God paid off my debts completely twice. Twice God gave me total victory over my finances. I was totally debt-free and believed him twice. And he was so merciful he did it twice. I was totally debt-free twice and blew it again. Oh, come on. It was a little harder the third time. Because the problem wasn't God. He didn't charge the credit card. He didn't spend the extra money. He didn't do the undisciplined stuff. I did it. And I'm not going to say, well, God's got a purpose for that. I'm going to jail because God's got a purpose for that. I'm going. I'm on my way. <laughs> no, sir. We've got to make sure we put God where God belongs and the devil where the devil belongs. And we've got to drop our religious traditions. No matter who's preaching it, for the Lord is good. Oh, y'all ought to shout that out. For the Lord is good. Oh, let's say it again. For the Lord is good. How many times is God good? All the time. All the time? God is good. All the time. God is good. Yes, he is. Stand up on your feet. Amen. Would you give him praise?